This morning we're going to look at a lesson, Because He Lives. As I was thinking about what do I preach on in these odd circumstances, and for a long time I've had a post-it note on my monitor that says, Because He Lives. And then on a page, well, it's a file in my computer where I have sermons kind of to one day preach. There's a line that says, Because He Lives. Sometimes when we sing a song, the message of that song just kind of slaps me in the face in such a way I think we need to look more seriously at this song and what the Scriptures teach. Well, I decided on this lesson, and then kind of interestingly, about the next day, I saw a post by Mark Nichols Posey on Facebook on a particular website. And there he mentioned this song and some points to be made from this song. Well, as we look at this song, once again, we've already sang it, but these words, God sent his son they call him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Now looking at this verse. First it said, God sent his Son. You're so familiar with John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But that very next verse says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And so while verse 16 says, God loves the world, verse 17 is saying, God sent his Son to save the world how we ever need to remember. God sent His Son. They call Him Jesus in Matthew 1, 21. As Joseph was learning that this child was to be born, he was told, She shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And so Jesus, the meaning Savior, Jesus is that name. He came to love, heal, and forgive. Now, if we were going to say just one verse, it would be hard to have just one verse that encompassed all of this love, heal, and forgive. But I'll admit, it kind of reminds me of Jesus in the synagogue and this was the reading as he began his ministry, as you'd find in Luke 4, verse 18. There from prophecy, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he's appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Within this we would find, certainly, the evidence of his love, the idea of healing, and the idea of forgiveness. God sent his Son. His name is Jesus. He came to love, 
heal, and forgive. He lived and died. He lived, well, those 33 years on this earth. And I hope we would understand and comprehend who it is that's doing the living. Jesus, from eternity, deity, divine, God, in the flesh like me and you, walking this earth, he lived. And as you consider his living, well, when he began his ministry, at first there were crowds People wanted to come hear what he said, and people wanted to be healed. But, but then as you get towards the end, you read more and more of his enemies. His enemies. You get to that point of the trial, the crucifixion. Those outside Pilate's hall crying, crucify him, crucify him. He lived. That living was not always easy, was it? And died. And this death was excruciating. Excruciating, a tremendous, intense pain. And that word comes from that word crucify. So you read in 1 Peter 3, 18. For Christ also suffered for sins. We can read that in just a moment. But do we truly comprehend the suffering that Jesus endured? And he died. He died to buy my pardon. We find there that this death was for me. In 1 Peter 2.24, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. I wish that you might even read that. He himself, Jesus, bore my sins on the tree. There would have been no hope without Jesus and without his sacrifice. And without his blood that was shed. You see Jesus lived. But notice. He died to buy my pardon. The next verse. It says how sweet to hold a newborn baby. And feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still the calm assurance. This child can face uncertain days because he lives. Those first two lines, how sweet to hold a newborn baby and feel the pride and joy he gives. I didn't comprehend that until my daughter was born. She's the firstborn in our family. And when that nurse put Beth in my arms, it was a feeling that was you can't describe. Some things must be experienced. Well, that baby in my arms, no way to fully describe it. And then when Brooks was born, same thing. Nurse put that baby in my arms. So hard to describe the feelings. Well, we were blessed too. A granddaughter, Addie, was born. 
And no, I didn't get to have her in my arms at first, but eventually I got to hold her too. You cannot describe the feelings that that is. But as you go throughout that verse, it mentions this child can face uncertain days. Uncertain days. Well, you might be reminded of Job 14.1. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. Few days, that speaks of the limited lifespan that we will have. Full of trouble? Well... If you've lived very long, you realize that, yes, there are troubles to be faced. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. As you go to James 4, verse 14, there you see, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. I think that's kind of the indication of this child can face uncertain days. Someone might think, well, that's kind of depressing. Death's going to come, and in the meantime, some troubled days. But here's the point. That this child can face uncertain days because he lives. This is a positive message. Regardless that death will come. Regardless of the troubles, that child that's born can face those uncertain days because our Lord lives. Yes, he can. But I would say this too. As we're thinking about a child, that child must be taught. This promise that we would have and hold out for a child, he can face uncertain days because he lives is only for that child that is taught about Jesus. That he's taught to love Jesus. That he's taught to embrace and hold on to Jesus. That he loves God with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind. That his determination is to honor and serve and obey him. Yes, he must be taught. He must believe. And he must obey. I'm so thankful for you having your children with you and you may have had to explain this is unusual. This is not the normal for us to sit at home and watch the TV while we worship. But we have to right now. But it's so important that we worship God on the Lord's Day that if this is the way it has to be today, this is the way we're going to do it. So thankful for the parents who take the time to take their children to Bible class and then for the parents themselves to sit in a Bible class. So thankful for the parents who during the week will be teaching their children to pray, be teaching their children those great stories of the Bible, emphasizing Bible truths about how we are to live. <clears throat> yes, the child can face uncertain days because he lives. He can he must be taught, and he must believe and obey. As you go then to that last verse, it says, And then one day I'll cross the river. I'll fight life's final war with pain. 
and then his death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory, and I'll know he lives. If you've just joined us, this is Easter Meadows Church of Christ worshiping. A few of us are here so we can conduct the worship, and hopefully you at home have participated in these acts of worship and will continue to be with us as we continue this lesson, Because He Lives, and then stay around for the closing song and closing prayer. This third verse of the song, Then one day I'll cross the river. This is speaking, of course, of our death. Yes, it's coming. Hebrews 9, 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes the judgment. This is something that we've learned by both experience and inspiration. If you've lived very long, you realize people die. In fact, we realize very shortly within life that unless Jesus comes again, all of us will die. This is not meant to be depressing, but yet it's speaking here of a difficulty that we will face, death. And then he said, I'll fight life's final war with pain. I think that the writer here is speaking about that time of our death. Now there's times that people fall over dead immediately. Maybe it's a brain aneurysm or a heart attack or such a big stroke, if you would, that just completely kills them. We've been blessed with hospice care where those who are lingering can be blessed with medications that help take away the pain. But that's not necessarily easy. On a Sunday afternoon, the last Sunday afternoon my dad was living, I was visiting with him in intensive care at Baptist South Hospital. And because of his physical problems with uh, his health, there had not been very many words. Well, this time there were two things he said so very distinctly. One was, why does it have to be so hard to die? Well, I think that's expressing what this writer says. I'll fight life's final war with pain. He's speaking here of death's coming. And the process of death itself might not be so easy. But then it turns to that brighter point. Then as death gives way to victory, look at 1 Corinthians 15, beginning of verse 55. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is life, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See those words? Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then as death gives way to victory, I'll see the lights of glory and I'll know he lives. The lights of glory? I think the writer here is speaking of heaven. That promise 
Stan read to us John 14, 1-3, the scripture reading about that place that Jesus has prepared. That place, it's in heaven. And in 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse 15, he says, We declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Here I think what he's speaking of is, I'll see the lights of glory. Yes, at Jesus' return, as time comes to an end, as God's faithful are ushered beyond judgment into their eternal dwelling place, I'll see the lights of glory, and I'll know He lives. Now, if I were going to say, there's one thing about the song that, well, well, I, I kind of see His point, but He says, I'll know He lives. Let me tell you this. I don't have to wait until Jesus returns. I don't have to wait until heaven itself to know that He lives. I already know Jesus lives. In Acts chapter 2, verse 32 and 33, there we find that Peter was preaching and said, This Jesus God raised up. That's the, He's living again. And of that we are all witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. This is also Jesus is living. You come to the conclusion of that lesson on that day, verse 36, let all the house of Israel know for certain or know assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He's Lord and Christ. They had crucified him, but he's living again, resurrected. Yes, because he lives. That chorus is because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future, my life is worth the living just because he lives. Yes, I can face tomorrow. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. It may be uncertain. But we can face it without fear. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Hebrews 13, beginning of verse 5, the Hebrew writer said, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know he holds the future. Proverbs 23, verse 18, Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. And in Jeremiah 29, verse 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope, because I know He holds the future. My life is worth the living just because he lives. I know that sometimes people can face depression. Sometimes it's that situational depression that trouble men. Then there can be that mental illness, clinical depression, and 
the two, while they may have some things within common, they're, they're different. They're different. That situational depression, right now times are different. They're difficult. There are some places people are literally locked within their own home and they don't go outside. Depression can be a result. I hope the Christian would realize, even if I'm locked inside, my life is worth the living because he lives. When things are back to normal and we're able to kind of come and go and do as we like, life is worth the living because he lives. We've got blood flowing through our veins. We've got breath in our lungs. So we've got life. But are we living that life? Are we living for our Lord? Are we loving our Lord? Are we seeing how we can make a difference in others' lives because of Jesus? My life is worth the living just because he lives. Because he lives, it's a song. But I suggest to you the writer did a good job expressing some things we need to know about Jesus living and now how we can live.